This is one-on-one's NHL podcast, where we take on the five hottest issues in hockey with three of our NHL beat reporters. It's time to go five on three. Welcome into another edition of WFUV's NHL podcast, five on three. I'm Chris Hennessy. Tyler Mooney is here. We've got two huge wins for the two New York teams last night, a a loss for New Jersey and a third win for Buffalo, which is um, very interesting since the last time we talked and a big trade deadline just about four or five days away. Tyler, how are you on this Wednesday afternoon? I'm doing well, Chris. I'm doing well. Like you said, big wins for the Rangers and Islanders last night. And yeah, it's hard to not laugh when you're saying it, but the Sabres actually have a win streak right now. They have a two-game win streak. It's crazy. They're playing a lot better than they were under Kruger, I can tell you that. That is for sure. And uh, I think if you look at Ralph Kruger and uh, his future coaching um, potential, it's uh, going down by the day. But we'll get to that in a little bit. We'll start with the New York Rangers who won 8-4 to four last night over the Pittsburgh Penguins. Eight different goal scorers, an 8-4 win. Uh, and now they are they are in fifth place. They're just a couple points behind Boston. Boston does have a few games in hand. They won last night as well. Um, it, it's It's been quite the turnaround since the Panarin return tie. And I, I wonder, is, is this team going to start to get hot here and we're going to get Islanders-Rangers in the first round? That'd be a lot of fun. That would be a dream, I tell you that. But, yeah, they've got points in 10 of their last 13 kind of coinciding with the return of Panarin. And, yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough for them to catch Boston. Like you said, they've got some games in hand on them. But last night, complete domination of the Penguins. I mean, I don't think anybody really saw that coming. They played well against the Capitals earlier in the week, too. And, yeah, I mean, this is what they got to do. They got to just keep winning and hope that the Bruins start to drop some games here and there. I know the Rangers do finish the season with two games against the Bruins. So, technically, if they can stay within – two or three points, they will mathematically have a chance going into that last week, which, I mean, I guess it's really all you can ask for considering how they started the season. But, yeah, I mean, like you said, eight different goal scorers getting goals, contributions up and down the lineup. And, yeah, it was a really great game for them. And a sick game from Shesterkin. Even though four goals go in, he makes 41 saves. Yes. Against Pittsburgh, who's been hot recently. Um. The Rangers are five points back from Boston. Boston has, as I mentioned, those two games at hand. But they're hurt right now. They don't have their – they don't have Tuka Rask or Yaroslav Halak right now. Halak entered the COVID list, and Rask, as we know, is still hurt. So yes. they're in an interesting position as well where unless they go and trade for one of the Columbus goalies here at the deadline, I don't see a ton of more goalie options out there. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> there, there, you have to kind of grasp at straws after that. And Colorado yeah. certainly going to be in that market for a goalie as well. So you're not already competing with somebody. So Boston is going to have some trouble if Tukaras can't get healthy. Plus, they're, they might go they, – they have the most interesting trade deadline to me. We'll get to that later um, and in terms of a buyer. But they've been sliding since their great start. So Yeah, and I it, saw – I saw Charlie McAvoy miss last night's game too. I'm not sure what his injury is or if it's anything more than just one game, but that would be a massive loss for the Bruins. Especially with, with the disaster that their defense has been. I mean, losing Zidane Chara was not great, but I mean, you've seen he's had a couple of tough games against the Islanders now with Washington. Losing Torrey Krug has been a disaster for this team though. There yeah. wasn't really any option. They don't have the, the cap space to keep him on the contract that he signed in St. Louis 
But, I mean, losing Tory Krug has been a disaster. And you have to wonder, is a guy like Brandon Montour from Buffalo going to slot into their second D pair to just try and spice it up a little bit? I mean, especially if McAvoy is hurt. Uh, it's not going to be pretty for, for Boston. But back to the Rangers, I think there was a lot of question about is David Quinn not the guy after the, the Wolfpack coach whose name is escaping? Uh, Chris Knobloch. Knobloch, Knobloch, yeah. Chris Knobloch. Um, thank you. He came in and coached a couple of big wins a couple, few weeks back. Um, I, I still do believe in David Quinn. I still believe that he is he is the guy for this team. I, you know, my, I have a crazy uncle who's a Ranger fan who – who says that when this team is ready to win, David Quinn will be long gone. I, I disagree with that. I think he's been really good for this team. And despite their tough start to each of the last two seasons, they've, that's just kind of what you need to kick. <laughs> if they don't have a tough start last year or this year, you're never talking about getting rid of David Quinn. Exactly. I mean, if they don't have a tough start last year, they're probably going to make the playoffs anyway. And, yeah, if they don't have a tough start this year, I think they started 1-4, and 1-5. and five. So yep. They could be right up there with Boston right now. But speaking of David Quinn, there was something I do want to talk about, and I'd be interested to get your thoughts on this. So when the Rangers brought Vitaly Krapstov over, mm. like last week or whatever, David Quinn went on record. He said, we know he's a high quali- he needs to play with high-quality players. He's a scorer. So when he gets in the lineup, because he was sitting for – he didn't just come over from Russia and immediately start playing. There was like a three- or four-game stretch where he was not cracking the lineup. David mm. Quinn said when he gets in, we're going to give him the chance to succeed. And they did do that. He had a very good NHL debut. He played with Lafreniere and Hedl. He had some good chances. He almost scored if it wasn't for an insane save by the Buffalo goalie. But then the next game last night, I checked the Rangers lineup, and he's playing on the fourth line with Kevin Rooney and Phil DiGiuseppe, which nothing against those guys. They've been very solid this year. But I'm not sure. I would almost rather see Vitaly Kravtsov playing in Hartford Mm-hmm. at this point instead of playing with these two guys and it brings up an interesting question because what they did have last night they had Colin Blackwell playing above both Kravstov and Kako and he scored a goal he scored a goal he's and Blackwell's been amazing this year he's been yeah. underrated signing of the offseason throughout the whole NHL I mean they got him he was a afterthought of it nobody really paid attention to that signing and I think that was his 10th goal of the season last night mm-hmm. but so it's this interesting dilemma. Yes, playing Blackwell higher now maybe gives you a better chance of winning, but in three months you're exposing him in the expansion draft. And if you want to talk, are the Rangers going to win a Stanley Cup in the next five to seven years? Capo Caco is one of the first names you're bringing up, and Vitaly Kravstov is not that far behind him. So it's this interesting dilemma. Do you know you give the young kids the higher ice time, the higher caliber line mates, or do you ride with the hot hand? Yeah, it's interesting. I'm looking at their lines now. Yeah, they ran with Panarin, Stroman, Blackwell last night. That's not where I would go if I was trying to pick Artemi Panarin's wing partner. Because I don't think Colin, as you mentioned, I don't think Colin Blackwell is on this team for much longer. Um, but Kraftsov and Kako are. I think you said it really well. Th- those guys need to be in that position and need to create a chemistry with Artemi Panarin because Artemi Panarin is going to be here for a very, very long time. And it's still a little curious to me why why Panarin plays with Stroman, not Sabanajad, but I guess that's because Chris Kreider is here. Yeah. But I think that a player who's going to be here for the long term needs to be playing with Artemi Panarin. That could be Lafreniere playing on his off wing. That could be Kago. That could be Hedl playing a wing spot. That could be Kraftsoff. Yeah. I don't think it's Blackwell. I honestly don't really think it's Strom. 
I don't, you know, I'm not David Quinn, but if I were going to make the lines and, and I can't move Panarin up to one, I'm probably putting him with Hedl and Krasov at this point because probably putting him with Hedl and Krasov and then putting Strom with Lafreniere and Kako because now you're having, now you have a veteran presence on each of those top three lines to mesh with those guys who are going to be here for a long time. And, and if that's not, you know, how it works in the long term, then kind of whatever. But now you're, you're creating kind of a camaraderie and a line that could be together for the next three years. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you just named four, three or four players off the cuff immediately that you would rather playing with Artemi Panarin than Colin Blackwell. I know Buchnevich is kind of up in the air. What's going to happen with him? He's had a really good season, but he's a, I think, restricted free agent at the end of the season. So, you know, does he factor into the Rangers' plans in the future? I don't know. I hope he does. I really love him as a player. But, yeah, you got Kako and Kravstov coming up. And, yeah, I, I think that's a great idea. I also like when they have the three kids playing together. Lafreniere got a goal assisted from Hedl and Kako last night. I'm sure every Ranger fan, including myself, absolutely loved seeing that. So sure. there's definitely a bunch of line combinations that they can come up with in the top six. But putting Colin Blackall in there is not something that I think David Quinn should be doing. Yeah, for sure. And just to confirm, yeah, Buzhnevich is an RFA at the end of the year. The only forward that's a UFA for the Rangers at the end of this year is Di Giuseppe. Buzhnevich, Hedl, Gautier, and Howden. Gautier's been pretty good this year, too. Yeah. Gautier and Howden are all RFAs. And then Brendan Smith is a UFA. And Shisterkin's an RFA, too. That's a pretty big one. But, yeah, a good win for the uh, Rangers last night, an 8-4 to four victory. They're able to score goals. Uh, in these games that they win, and then all of a sudden they play that game against Buffalo where, you know, they made Linus Allmark look like Billy Smith. It didn't really make a ton of sense. That was Easter Saturday um, where Buffalo got their second of three wins over the past week. And, you know, we mentioned it off the top that Granado has been looking a lot better than Kruger behind that bench, and and they did beat the Rangers. And that's a tough loss. I mean, that's the second time they've lost to Buffalo this year. Uh, I don't want to get too crazy but it's possible that the Islanders and the Capitals and the Penguins all go eight and zero against Buffalo. Like that's, that's still in play and not going eight, no, not going seven and one against Buffalo. Now granted the, both the losses I believe were in overtime. So they did get points out of them is unfortunate, but when you're chasing Boston like that, but I mean, this win was bigger than, than the Sabres loss. So we'll move on to uh, the New York Islanders who played, the biggest game of their season last night. Uh, I don't think that there's too much debate about that. Going into the game, they were one game behind Washington. Games at the Coliseum, and it's a it's every part of a must-win game. And, wow, Sonia Varlamov was good last night. Wow, I was stressed. I'm lucky I still have fingernails left. And Brock Nelson pots one with uh, six minutes and 55 seconds to go to give the Islanders the one nothing lead, and they end up winning one to nothing. Tense game, but a game that this team wins – a lot more than the Capuano Islanders won. Um, the Capuano Islanders lose that game 3-1 every day of the week. Um, and the Trot Islanders won it 1-0. They're now tied in terms of record. They have the identical record as the Washington Capitals. The only reason that today Washington is still in first is because they've beaten the Islanders three times out of five. Uh, this past week, since the last time we spoke, the Islanders beat Washington twice. And... Um, they were must-win games in every sense. One was 8-4 with Barzell's best game of his career, probably. Certainly since that that game at the Garden where he uh, scored a hat-trick. But that was pretty good, too. But he they win that one 8-4 and won nothing. So two completely different ways to win a hockey game and 
two ways to beat Washington, which they needed to do pretty badly. Yeah, you touched on it, two different ways to win a hockey game. I think that's something that's really good to see from the Islanders. We know that they can win one nothing, 2-1 games under Barry Trotz. We've seen that ever since he's been the coach. But to be able to go out and in a shootout kind of game, 8-4, and to get all the goals enough to win, I think that's something we haven't really seen as much from the Islanders. So to know that they can win like that is important. They also had sandwiched between those Washington wins a 3-2 shootout win against Philly where they blew a 2-0 lead in the third period. So that's another way to win a game, you know, overcoming adversity. So I think that's really good to see if you're an Islanders fan. This team is winning in multiple ways. And, yeah, Matt Barzell is insane. I think he's criminally underrated because he plays for a team that doesn't really emphasize offense. If he was on, say, the Rangers, he could potentially be an MVP candidate. I think he'd put up so many more points. But, yeah, great, great week for the Islanders. And they play the Caps three times coming up at the end of the month. And I mean, that for all we know, that could decide the division. If one team goes three and zero in that stretch, that might be it. But that is certainly going to be must watch TV. I knew I liked you, Tyler. Because you're, cause you're <laughs> the Rangers fan who saw the Ryan Stroh tweet and just said, This is idiot. <laughs> I did see that tweet. The Ryan Stroh tweet, for those who don't know, was got put. This is another thing. Out, watch out for breaking news in the NHL tonight because this keeps happening. It was put out right after we recorded. And it was at that time, Ryan Strom, of course, former New York Islander on the Rangers, as we just mentioned, plays with Artemi freaking Panarin, had identical stats to Matthew Barzell. And if you know anything about the game, anything about how the way Barry Trotz coaches, anything about literally anything, you know that that's preposterous. And there are exactly. some players where you can measure points, but I think with the Islander players right now, they're, they're not going to get an MVP off this team, right? Ovechkin didn't win an MVP when Barry Trotz was the uh, – I don't think he did. Yeah, he, I think he won a Richard, but, I don't, but he's a different animal, right? He's a great one of the greatest goal scorers of all time. You're not going to get an MVP off of a Barry Trotz team, especially Barry Trotz Islanders. He's playing with Leo Komarov on his wing. Ryan Strom's playing with Artemi Panarin. They play two, two very different styles, and one team is below the playoff line, and another team is in first place. That's all I have to – I wasn't going to mention it, but – you kind of mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just watching both of them play, I mean, it's pretty obvious which player is the better player. Strom's not really a skill guy, and Barzell's got all the skill in the world. And, yeah, playing with, in my opinion, the best winger in the world with Panarin is going to help you get some points. And I love how it was tweeted, like, Islander fans don't know the potential of Ryan Strom. Like, we saw it. He was 23 years old, and he was getting sent back and forth to Bridgeport. Guy took more rides on the Port Jeff Ferry than anybody. <laughs> That's it. That's all I have. So this is a big weekend for the Islanders, though. They play Philly tomorrow. Tomorrow's not the weekend. It's Thursday. But they play Philly tomorrow. And then they have two games against the Rangers. All three of those games are at home until they have three days off, which you very rarely get at this stage of the season, um, and especially in a 56-game season when you're trying to cram it all in. They have three consecutive days off before they have to travel to Boston to play the Bruins uh, next week. So – this is a huge stretch for the Islanders. I would love to see them win all three games. Um, they should beat Philadelphia, and they can beat the Rangers twice. Uh, Georgiev completely has their number, so I wouldn't be surprised if he gets both games at the Coliseum this week, uh, this weekend, I should say. And to be honest, as well as Shostakhin has played, I would love to see Shostakhin in that because for some reason, Georgiev absolutely has their number, and the Islanders have been able to beat Chester in a little bit. If you remember that first game of the season, they put in four or five past them. So that's, it's a big weekend for the Islanders. And um, 
hopefully they can they can get into first place because now you're looking at a Penguins team who is hot as all hell. They they beat the Islanders twice. Uh, that was the last podcast we talked about that. But it ends their season series. The Islanders down two four to two, two four and two against Pittsburgh. I don't want to play that team in the first round. I want Washington and Pittsburgh to beat the crap at each other in the first round and get the one of them that's surviving after seven games, to be perfectly honest with you. That's a better position for the Islanders to be in, which in, which requires them to be in first place because Washington's, because Pittsburgh's not going to get caught by Boston. So whew, that was a long sentence. But it's a lot because there's just so many different ways this can go. And if they add a player, I think that they can – that is a realistic possibility. Yeah, that number one spot's going to be huge in this division because it is – it's the Penguins, Islanders, and Capos. I think that's the cream of the crop of the East this year. And two of those teams are going to have to face each other in the first round, which that's going to be huge if you can get out of that matchup. For sure. Speaking of the Islanders adding players, Kyle Palmieri sits out of the Buffalo Sabres New Jersey Devils game, as is Taylor Hall. Buffalo wins their third game of the week, second game in a row. Um, as we've said before, nothing really too much to say about New Jersey until they trade Cal Palmieri and we get to see a return, whether that's one second-round pick, two second-round picks, a third and a prospect, whatever it is. It's not going to be the first-round pick that they got for Taylor Hall, though. There's really not much to say. They lose to Buffalo, and uh, it's tough. And they um, Tice Thompson, who's Tage Thompson's brother and the coach of Bridgeport, Brent Thompson's son, makes his NHL debut. Uh, it's about it, though. I mean, they're going to trade Kyle Palmieri between now and the next time we speak, and that's really going to be the biggest news for the Devils all year long. Yeah. I mean, I saw they went 0-8 against the Capitals this year after their loss this past week. I'd be interested to see at the end of the season how many instances we have of that in the NHL of teams just completely getting swept in the season series of eight or nine games. And, yeah, yeah I mean, that's how you win a division, going 8-0 against the bad teams, but yeah, tough loss against Buffalo. They're bleeding goals right now. I think they've given up five in like three straight, four straight games. And they play Buffalo again at the end of this week, I believe. And I know it's crazy to sound considering the Sabres went on an 18 game losing streak, but if the, if Buffalo wins that game, I think they're only like five points behind the devils and Buffalo has points in five straight games. So they're, they're playing well. So I don't think it's entirely out of the realm of possibility that the Sabres end up catching the Devils. I mean, the schedule's pretty hard for both teams for the sole reason that they don't play each other again, and they're the only two weak teams in the division pretty much. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, and both teams will be shorthanded after the deadline because they probably have the two top trade targets on their sides. Let's do this crazy Canucks story. Um, if you've been sleeping under a rock, if you haven't been playing attention to the North Division. The Canucks had 18 players on the COVID-19 protocol list. Nils Hoglander was added Monday, two players Sunday, seven on Saturday, five on Friday, one on Thursday, and one last Tuesday. That adds up to 18. I'm just taking an NHL.com's word for it. Didn't do the math. But it adds up to 18. Travis Boyd, Bo Horvat, I mean, I come both goalies. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's the whole team. It's the whole team. It's the whole team. It's just, it's, at this point, it's simply just the entire roster. The scariest part of it is that it's the Brazilian variant has been found. We don't know a lot about the Brazilian variant. We don't know how much the vaccine is going to help against the Brazilian. We don't know anything about any of these variants that are being found. And the Brazilian one specifically has been found with the Vancouver Canucks. Adam Gaudet and his wife had absolute battles against this virus. She's been very outspoken about that. It is 
you know, you don't want to rate these things. It's tough. This is worse than the Titans. This is worse than the Marlins. This is worse than the Sabres. This is worse than the Stars. Those are the teams who have had the COVID outbreaks in uh, various other sports before this. Um, Bill Daly, the deputy commissioner, says that they will they will do everything in their power to complete the 56-game season. At this point, is that even worth it? Because this team's not going to make the playoffs. Just looking at it logistically, it's practically it's it is impossible for them to finish the 56 game season before the May 11th start to the playoffs. I mean, you're looking at a multi week shutdown here. They're not going to be practicing until probably the end of this month at the earliest. And yeah, obviously health comes first. It is the Brazilian variant, I believe. I forget the player's name, but there was somebody who tested who had already had the virus, and mm. now he's contracted it again. Right. So, and there was a report that came out that some of these players were in rough shape. You mentioned Adam Gaudet. So, obviously, health comes first. You hope that all these guys are able to recover and also, more importantly, not have any lasting effects of the virus, which we've seen in other athletes. And just that's what happens with COVID. But yeah, the way the NHL handles this is going to be very interesting because they've handled these COVID pauses pretty well, I'd say, for the most part. But most of them came very early in the season when you had two, three months to spread out these postponed games and reschedule them. Now they're in a very tight window. And I just don't see a way that the Canucks are going to be able to finish their schedule before the playoffs start. Does that mean that we delay the playoffs? I mean, how would that work? I saw one proposal where the North Division playoffs would just get pushed back like a week or two. Well, I mean, how is that going to affect when – we reach the conference finals and there's three divisions that have wrapped up and the North division still going on. Right. So yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. The Canucks aren't going to make the playoffs, but I haven't looked at their schedule, but I'm sure they're playing teams that do still have playoff implications. So how are you going to choose which games to postpone, which games to reschedule? Um, it's going to certainly be a tough test for the NHL. To right. Are you going to make games. Toronto and, are you going to make Toronto and Edmonton play 17 times now because Edmonton's getting games against Vancouver canceled? It's a scheduling disaster. And, you know, obviously the health of the players is, is the most important, but it's a scheduling disaster. It really is. The season's already been pushed back a couple of days. I believe they have – their last game is scheduled for the 8th. I just wrote a piece about this for the Rams. So it's, it's all on the top of my head. Their last game is scheduled for the 8th. The season actually now ends on the 11th. They gave themselves three days at the end of the season – to for this exact reason well they've had already six games canceled and they're going to have more so this is i am fascinated to find out how how they do this they're not going to be allowed to participate in the trade deadline oh no way like anybody who they were going to be able to try to sell for pros for uh picks and prospects is not going to be able to be sold anymore if they were going to try to go trade for somebody i wouldn't want to be the person traded to vancouver that's for damn sure no yeah, so that's saw, now an extra wrinkle. It, it's crazy. I mean, what do you do at this point? I saw one proposal, which was actually kind of interesting, that you just – you have – you try and get all the Canucks games in against teams that will probably be making the playoffs. Because the North Division, for all intents and purposes, is wrapped up. I mean, I think the Canucks are the five seed, and they're still like eight points, ten points out of a playoff mm-hmm. spot. So we know who's making it, and we know who's not making it. So I saw one proposal where you just – Get all the Canucks games in against the Oilers, Jets, uh, all the teams that are in the playoffs before the playoffs start, and then you give 
you schedule their games against the Flames and the Senators for after the playoffs start because those teams mm-hmm. won't be in it, which, I mean, that would be interesting. I'm not sure. I don't think the, the Sens would interest go level. Yeah, I don't know what the interest level would be for the, those teams participating. I mean, they're practically meaningless games. I guess they would matter for the draft lottery, but that's about it. Yeah, because you're admitting to the players this game means nothing, but you still have to play. I don't – I like it in terms of, like, it, it works in my brain, but I don't think that Calgary and Ottawa would be good for that because you're risking injury for what you're already admitting is a meaningless game. Yeah, and nobody's going to be paying attention at all because playoffs right. yeah, started. Nobody, nobody's going to watch. So – and nobody's going to go, though there's no fans allowed in the Canadian buildings anyways. But nobody's going to go either. So – yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy what's going on up there, and obviously wish everybody the best. But, I mean, wow, this is this is getting out of hand pretty quickly. And it's um, it's scary because, you know, this this could have happened to the Islanders, Rangers, or Devils, and we'd be talking about, will this team ever play? I mean, I guess we're – I think this is going to be a really interesting test case, and I know there's only a month left in the season. But if this happened to Toronto – Columbus, or not Columbus, Carolina, Tampa Bay. Honestly, yeah, Columbus, a team who's fighting for a playoff spot, the Islanders, the Bruins. How would this be handled differently than Vancouver? Vancouver just shut it all down, and as it should, but we'll see if they even get 56 in. You would have to get 56 in if it was the Islanders, for example, who had this happen to them. So it's uh, it's getting a little bit out of control in Vancouver, 18 players on the COVID list of the 23 or whatever it is that are on the roster. So, um, We'll keep an eye on that, and between now and the next time we speak, I highly doubt they will be playing a hockey game. So speaking of between now and the next time we speak, Monday, April 12th, is the trade deadline. We've been talking about it for the last couple of weeks, but nothing has really happened. Eric Stahl played his first game as a Canadian. He scored the game-winning goal. Brendan Lemieux is out in L.A. now, but that's about it. The two guys that we know – Without a doubt, are getting a trade. Taylor Hall is going to leave Buffalo. Kyle Palmieri is going to leave New Jersey, as we mentioned. They sat out the game last night. There are a couple other teams that we've spoken about, a couple that we haven't, that are interesting. Nashville, they have gotten hot recently. Doesn't look like they're going to sell, even though in the first round they're going to have to play Colorado. So now, are you – is it – oh, no, not Colorado. I'm sorry. Tampa, Tampa or Tampa one Bay. of those three teams that are – Yeah, I, I've yeah. – Tampa Bay or Florida, I – I don't have these new divisions memorized, so I do apologize. Nashville is now in the four spot. They've overtaken Chicago. If they ended, if it ended right now, they have to play Florida. Playing Carolina or Tampa Bay is realistic. So it looks like Ekholm and Forsberg probably won't be traded. So that's interesting. Arizona is in the four spot over St. Louis. St. Louis has Mike Hoffman. That marriage really has not worked out very well. Uh, he signed that one-year contract this season. Is he going to get traded? Is Arizona has nine unrestricted free agents. Are they going to try to sell some pieces off? You mentioned Vancouver, not really a player anymore. Um, and then, of course, we have the buyers being the Islanders, Boston, Colorado, Vegas, and really those central teams. Not a lot of cap space to work with, but we'll play a little game. We'll hold each other to it. Where do you think Palmieri and Hall are going to go? And who do you think, like, we've been sleeping on? We haven't mentioned maybe one of those teams I just mentioned, one of those players mentioned earlier, like a Brandon Montour. Maybe not – who is going to be the guy, not Hall, not Palmieri, that gets traded? That's kind of the next biggest name. Well, as for Kyle Palmieri, this is tough. I got a little sleeper team here. They've got okay. some injuries right now. 
I wouldn't necessarily call him a sleeper team, but I think Paul Mary ends up a Pittsburgh Penguin. Interesting. Malkin's hurt. I believe Kapanen's hurt, and they're right up there for – they might not win the division, but they're going to be up there till the final weeks of the season. So they need they have some holes in the top six. I think uh, Paul Mary ends up in the Berg. And as for Taylor Hall, I mean, the fit is just too perfect. I think he's going to go for the Islanders. I think that this is the Islanders' year. They have the space for him. And uh, it just he just didn't work out in Buffalo. I don't really blame him for signing that deal there. We saw what playing with Jack Eichel did for Jeff Skinner a couple years ago. And just things went wrong for so many reasons. Um, but, yeah, so I got Hall to the Islanders, Paul Mary to the Penguins. And, well, I was going to – so I was going to say Mikel Granlund okay. was going to get traded. But, you know, now that the, uh, the, the Predators have gone on this recent hot streak, they had, like, some of the top – I would say they probably – if you want to count Forsberg, Ekholm, and Granlund, they had, like, three of the top five or six trade targets – for this deadline. So it's going to be very interesting to see what they do. Um, a team that I think could make some sneaky moves, Colorado. They've been red hot this past month. I think they're the favorite. If I had to pick one team to win the cup right now, I'd probably pick them. So I think if they could make like a sneaky kind of, they made the Nemestikov trade last year, which we didn't really see how that worked out, but sort of like a Barkley Goodrow or a Blake Coleman trade that the Lightning made, not the flashiest of moves, but I think if they could get like one little piece in there, I think that could put them over the edge. I like it. I like it. I I I kind of like Palmieri to the Penguins. Personally, I have Palmieri to the Islanders. I think that it's a better fit in terms of cap. Yes, they're able to afford Taylor Hall. But personally, I want the Islanders to have their first-round pick going into the expansion draft. I am all for trading first-round picks in literally every other season besides expansion draft seasons. Because we saw what happened the last time, right? They were they traded their first round pick to Vegas. They picked the defenseman, or they ended up trading to Ottawa for Mark Stone, the Swedish guy whose name is escaping me. Randstrom. Randstrom, yeah. thank you. So that was kind of, well, I kind of wouldn't like to have that guy. But they took, I believe, it was Mikhail Grabowski, who was a nobody. He wasn't even playing on the team at the point. At that point, I would like to see them keep their first round pick, be able to trade it to Seattle, and have them take either Leo or Lad. That would be enticing to me. So that's kind of why I want Palmieri to the Islanders. I think you can get him for the Tays picks, even maybe a second and a third, if you have to throw in a low-level prospect. Don't love it, but that's okay. Taylor Hall is so interesting because he can go – he can slid it, slot in. He's one of those guys – we talked about it last year when he went to Arizona. He's the guy who can make every single team better. Man, if he's not going to the Islanders, I don't really see him going to the Bruins. I don't. I know a lot of people are saying he's going to go to Boston. I personally see Brandon Montour going to Boston, the defenseman from Buffalo. We know about the defensive struggles in Boston now if Charlie McAvoy is hurt. That's who I see Boston going after. And that doesn't mean that they're not going to go after Taylor Hall. That's obviously still possible. Man, maybe he does. Maybe Taylor Hall. Maybe you're right. Maybe Paul Mary goes to the Penguins and Taylor Hall goes to the Islanders. I don't, I genuinely just don't know where Taylor Hall is going to end up if it's not on the Islanders because <clears throat> I don't see the need in Boston. And I don't see the um, the cap space in a lot of other places. I, I don't see the cap. I mean, I see the cap space, ironically enough, in Colorado. Well, they're not, they're not going to trade for him. In Columbus, they're probably going to trade Nick Foligno. I see it in Carolina, which would be very interesting. Other than that, there's not a ton. So 
I guess I'll just throw something to a wall and hope it sticks. I think Taylor Hall is going to get traded to, yeah, why not? The Carolina Hurricanes. They have the cap space. They have a really fun team. And I think that they want to get that first place spot and avoid everything Tampa Bay related in the first round. Taylor Hall, the Carolina Hurricanes. Why not? Uh, as I said, Brandon Montour to the Bruins is something that I'm watching. Um, and and Arizona has nine unrestricted free agents, so maybe they'll just fire sale everybody. If you remember their, their cheating schedule with the draft prospects, they don't have a first-round pick this year. They didn't have a first-round pick last year. It's going to be an interesting trade deadline, definitely different than what we're used to. I don't think we're going to be seeing the volume of moves that we normally do with two-thirds of the league being – strapped up against a cap that is not going to be going up for the foreseeable future. But we do have the big fish out there like we do every year, and it will definitely be interesting, especially in this Eastern division with these three teams. We'll see. Uh, we might have a bidding war between division rivals, which always gets intense. It will. So we'll be back next week with the trade deadline recap, a recap of Islanders Rangers this weekend, and a whole lot more. For Tyler Mooney, our producer, Thomas Aiello, I'm Chris Hennessy. We'll see you then.